Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're continuing our series today on mental health, but today we're going to pivot a little bit. We're also going to discuss financial matters and how they can exacerbate mental health issues as well as physical health issues. Financial stress can cause physical issues such as migraines, irritable bowel syndrome, and insomnia. It can also exacerbate or cause depression, anxiety, and other mental health problems. These issues can often feed on each other and cause a vicious cycle where one feels trapped. In addition, we are going to discuss some strategies on how to improve your financial situation and thus your quality of life while alleviating potential stressors and or triggers. We're going to discuss things like how to establish a cash reserve, budgeting, paying yourself first, managing debt, dealing with creditors, the rule of 72, and planning for the future, among other topics. To that end, we have in our studio today someone with a keen insight on how these two challenges of mental health and financial stress can collide and how to improve both situations and come out on the other side victorious. Sarah Ryman is a certified business advisor, financial expert, and professional speaker. She provides consulting and coaching to business owners and teaches them how to understand the story behind their numbers so they can have the financial control they need to reduce stress, increase profits, and create financial and time freedom. As a qualified accountant with 15 years experience in the tax accounting industry and as a business owner since 2006, she knows and understands the challenges business owners face with managing staff, juggling all the balls, and keeping up a healthy lifestyle. Sarah is a motivational speaker and has an inspiring story of overcoming domestic violence, which we know from our episode on domestic violence with 42-year veteran, retired police sergeant Derek McManus, and my father, 27-year veteran police sergeant in Chicagoland, that one quarter of women and one-sixth of men have experienced in Australia. She's also suffered from depression. And we know from our episode on depression with David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, that one out of seven people in Australia will suffer from depression in their lifetime. She struggled with drug abuse, which we know from our episode on addiction with David Moran from Mental Health Partners that 5% of all Australians and close to 13% of Australians aged 16 to 24 suffer from drug addiction. She struggled with divorce, which we know that 33% of Australian married people will have to face at some point. If you missed any of these episodes or the eight-part series we did on leadership that we just finished with NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Coach Gwen Meyer, check them out on our podcast on our Facebook page, Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. These challenges that we just discussed with Sarah that she faced and overcame help her be qualified to talk about how changing the way one thinks can change their life dramatically. Sarah, please tell us a bit about the challenges you faced growing up and as a young mother and how you overcame them. 
Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, well, uh, I grew up in a fairly relatively normal family, I suppose. I had a mum and dad who ran a small business in Adelaide, South Australia for 30 years. Uh, and I guess in some ways they showed me how not to do business well. They weren't great at financial management at all. They didn't teach me how to save or we didn't have those really positive sort of financial conversations at home when I was a kid growing up. What I did hear were things like, uh, we can't afford that, money doesn't grow on trees, only rich people live in a certain suburb and they're only the wealthy drive cars of a certain brand. So I had a fairly negative input around money and finances growing up and didn't feel like I was probably someone who be, could become wealthy or could become rich uh, in my lifetime. So once I got into my early 20s, I had to uh, actually reframe my mindset around that and start teaching myself uh, how, to be a, how to be better at money. When I was a teenager, I decided to drop out of school in year 10 and also leave home at the age of 16. And that led me down a path, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, into a relationship that was fueled with domestic violence, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, everything imaginable. And that went on for about four years. And by the time I got to my 20th birthday, I had decided that my life sucked. I hated every element of it. I hated the situation with I was in. And so I escaped that lifestyle and went and lived in Melbourne for six months. So yeah, and then uh, at um, the age of 23, I'd, I'd got married, had my first child and decided I need to go back to school to better myself and study. And because I was great at maths and numbers and was a straight A student in school, I decided to pick uh, accounting and it took me about seven years to finish my accounting degree. And the rest is history, I suppose, so to speak. So that's what was my start in life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Not being judgmental, I'm just asking uh, because you have, you have a, is it, it's two daughters, right? Yes. Two daughters. So at 16, I mean, as a straight A student, and then you got hooked up with this guy that wasn't so great, mm -hmm. okay, to put it mildly. I mean, how did that happen? And then how do you avoid as a parent, this is totally off what we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about, but as a parent, how do you try to sidestep that so your own daughters don't make those kind of mistakes? What I've learned with my two daughters, my daughters are now 20 and 22, so I've been through the hard yards of the teenage years and anyone that has had teenage boys or girls will understand that it is a challenging time and it can be a very a bit of a struggle and I have had been through that the last four or five years. It has been challenging, I will say, at times, but I think what I've come to realise and what I've learned from that is that you cannot beat yourself up as a parent you cannot blame yourself for the choices that your children make. When I look back, I probably think to myself, boy, I put my mum and dad through some really tough times when I did that when I was a teenager and they must have been worried beyond belief. But I have come to realise that our kids, uh, as much as we can you know, love and instil in them the good values and morals that we want them to become a, a self-sufficient um, member of society, I suppose, if they do choose to do otherwise or they do choose to go down a path that perhaps we don't agree with, that we still have to unconditionally love them and not beat ourselves up and think that we've done something wrong because it's simply not true. So how did you end up, again, I'm not being judgmental, but how did you end up as a, as a straight-A student with this, with this 
bad boy? Is it just the? Was it just oh, it's oh, it's so he's so cute. He's a bad boy. He's got the leather jacket. Was it that kind of a thing? Or was I it think just, looking back, so how, you know, so how do you how do you avoid? Teach your daughters to avoid stepping into that. Tra- how did you step into that trap? <laughs> yeah. And how did you? What? How did you learn to avoid that from them stepping into that trap? Look, I think at, looking back at the time when you're sort of 14, 15, 16, obviously you're going through puberty. There's a whole lot of hormonal stuff going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not a psychologist, but I know that decision making in teenagers is skewed. It's not like mm. we're we're, mm. we're older adults now. Um, we they don't think like we do, mm. and I think I just got to the point where I, I was a straight A student. I would say like in primary school, and then leading up to sort of year eight, nine, and once I got to year ten, um, I just decided that I hated school and didn't want to try anymore. And how did I get mixed up in it? Look, I don't know. Maybe it was just trying to assert my own freedom, get away from perhaps the parent, you know, do my own thing. Why did I do it? Look, I, I actually don't know at the time. Maybe it was years later going back, going to counselling and therapy uh, for some of those things that happened. They told me that it, it is to do with how, you know, what your parents do or what your parents say. My parents weren't horrible to me. Um, there was probably, every, like every parent, there was probably little things in there that were negative. But... Looking back, I, c- I probably can't give a definitive answer to that, Matt. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All I know is I came to the point where I realised that it was completely the wrong lifestyle to be in and yeah, I hated no. it. And you yeah. did that at a young age too. I mean, you you did your – which is great. I mean, uh, you know, you did your not-so-great stuff when you were mm. really young, so yeah. you had lots of time to or, you know get yourself going. I mean, you weren't even an adult by the time no. you pulled your socks up and, and mm. got yourself – on the right straight and narrow, so which is awesome, mm. you know. So, okay, I, I, I just sorry that's a tangent. I didn't that's plan okay. on talking about that, but I was intrigued. One thing that you talked about is the, the the mindset with money, and I think that's so important that we should talk about that a little bit. My mother used to say, you, you said your mother used to say, money used, doesn't grow on trees. Mm. I'd ask for something, and my mom would say, fine, I'll just go outside to the money tree and pick some, and then I'll buy it for you. You know, that's what my mother would say. So same thing, only different, yeah. you know. And, and the can't afford it, you know, line, mm. you know. I even catch myself doing that now. Mm. And, you know, I'm pretty well off and it's not that I can't afford it, it's that I choose not to afford mm-hmm. it or, or uh, so I mean we actually change our language even if we are successful mm-hmm. but can you talk a little bit about how to put the, you know get the right mindset about money and and we've all I mean, not we all but we'll probably talk a little bit about books like Rich Dad Poor Dad where they talk about the rich dads teach their kids about money poor dads mm-hmm. don't and so I think maybe we should start there with what should our mindset and our relationship be with money, in your opinion? Yeah, I was just going to mention good old Robert Kiyosaki that he he says that you shouldn't say, I can't afford it. You should actually say, how can I afford that? Mm. And we just need to change that narrative. And I think it wasn't until I got into my sort of late 20s or early 30s that I started to really learn how the power of your mind and what you think just affects every single area of your life because no one taught me that in school. No mm. one taught me how to think properly or think positively or they just didn't teach that sort of thing. So I think it really is so important because what my mum and dad's perhaps 
bad financial decisions taught me was that it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy in our lives. And unfortunately, what happened to mum and dad is they got to retirement age at 65 and they had no assets, they had no superannuation, they didn't have a house that they owned and they had a mortgage that they couldn't afford to pay anymore and no saleable business. So that was unfortunate. But that sort of taught me or it spurred me on to go, and I was in my early 20s when that happened, it spurred me on to go, okay, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to end up struggling my whole life for money. We all know that, you know, when we start out in life, of course, we don't have as much money um, when we're 20 as we perhaps we might do when we're 50. We know that wealth is an accumulation over time. But I just made a decision in my mind that I didn't ever want to have to struggle for money or scratch for my last cent or only have $10 to put fuel in the car. I didn't want to be like that. And when I actually got, when I did have my first child, me and my first husband, we actually had nothing. Everything that was in our house at the time with this tiny little baby was given to us. Our lounge, our dining suite, uh, the bassinet the baby went in, the cot, and we moved into this house and everything we were given yeah, we were just given given it. So I do know what it's like to struggle a little bit for money. But yeah, I just made that determination to not say those things about money and not just keep the, the, the negative narrative going on in my mind. Wow, so many great things to unpack there. I was I was writing down notes about all the things you were saying because there was there's so many pearls of wisdom in there, and, and it reminded me something. It reminded me of a bunch of things, but one of the things that it reminded me of is Henry Ford used said that if you think of think a thing can be done or you think a thing can't be done, you're right either way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's true when it comes to finance. And when you were telling your story about how, you know, you decided young that you weren't going to be in this situation. I don't know exactly how you said it, but you decided young, you made a decision that you weren't going to be in this situation where you were struggling with money your whole life. That reminded me of an interview I read a long time ago about Oprah Winfrey where she had the same th- day. I mean, I think she, she was, said she was like 13 or 14, and she was watching her mother, or, or grandmother, I think it was. And, and please, Oprah, don't sue me if I get it wrong, because your pockets are way deeper than mine, being the first uh, African-American billionaire female. But, I, you know, she was watching her grandmother or mother, I think. I, I think it was her grandmother, stirring doing the laundry and they didn't even have a washing machine. She was stirring it. There were, she was from Mississippi stirring it in this big heavy pot that was boiling and thinking, I ain't going to live like this. This just is not going to be for me. And, you know, I just think that that, that decision right there is the beginning is the beginning of being successful financially and alleviating that stress. Definitely. But we're, we're, we need to pay some bills to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So we need to hear from our sponsors who we greatly appreciate. We'll be right back. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Dalia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine.
I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you, so please call me. Anna Faruja at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10am for Talking Real Estate. Your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts. Plus, report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. I'm here with Sarah Ryman, qualified accountant and business consultant with over 15 years experience in the accounting industry, who's been a business owner since 2006 and works with businesses to get control of their financial situation and understand what's actually going on in their business. So many business people don't even know what's going on in their business. And she's also a motivational speaker. So, and if you want to take advantage of Sarah's services, uh, her website is www.sarahryman.com.au. And if you're looking for a little bit lower quality consultant, you know, and you can't afford somebody of Sarah's super high standards, I'm also a business <laughs> consultant and coach as well. Uh, and I specialize more in leadership, motivation, and sales training. But back with Sarah. So, uh, Sarah, we talked a little bit about in the last session how the first step, as it is in most, most things, is to make the decision and realize that you're worthy and that you can do it. So maybe in this session we start with some meat of, you know, step A, step B, step C, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'll let you take it away and I'll chime in, uh, you know, if I think there's something that, because you're so advanced. I mean, it's a little bit like talking to a calculus teacher right now because <laughs> the calculus teacher understands this stuff so well that sometimes it can go over the heads of the layman. So, but Sarah, take it away. I will speak layman. Okay. <laughs> uh, look, Matt, the, normally when I talk to people about finances, and this is applicable whether you are an individual person that works as for wages for an employer, and it's also if you're a business owner as well, is this, there's three areas I find that you really need to focus on. And this is apart from the mindset stuff. We've got to get our mindset right in, in terms of money and in terms of it's the same as anything in life. Let's be positive about our finances. Let's be positive about everything in life and we're going to have a better life, yeah. So the, the three things are budgeting and saving and investing 
planning for the future and just around professional advice. So those are the sort of three areas that I can touch on and that I do talk about in some of my talks. And the reason I talk about those things is because when we talk about budgeting, so many people like just want to run a mile and go, oh, budgeting, no, that either doesn't work, it's restrictive, they, they, all these negative connotations come up around budgeting or saving, you know. But in actual fact, when you really sit down and think about it and look at it, humans are inherently thrive on predictable situations or planning or knowing what's coming. Hence, everyone's anxiety around uncertain COVID situations that we've seen in the last two years. So if that's true, then budgeting and saving or having some sort of plan around your money seems like it's going to get you to the place that you want it to want to go. So budgeting means that you're in control of your money. So when people go, oh, budgeting doesn't work or it's restrictive, it's actually the opposite of that. It helps you feel in control. It helps you to feel like you're on top of your money and it helps you to know what's going to happen in the future. So why does a business do a budget or a cash flow or a forecast? Because they're trying to plan for the future. Any big organisation will tell you that they do a strategic plan every six to 12 months and that strategic plan is intrinsically linked to the financial budget. You can't have a plan in a business without the finances coming into it because their plan might be, oh, we're going to go buy a $6 million warehouse. Well, guess what? If you don't have the money or the resources, that's not quite going to happen. Mm. And this, and again, so the second thing is planning for the future is that it's easy when we're, you know, you're younger to sort of not think like when you're 20, you think, wow, 40 is so old. Uh, I, I did think that. Uh, when my daughter was born, I thought, wow, I'm gonna, when my daughter's 16, I'm going to be 40. Now I've gone a little bit beyond that. And, um, I'm, no, no, you're over I four. I, nobody that's seen you would believe no, that statement. Nobody. They, they think I had my children when I was 10. Mm, so. Yes. So you don't think about the future. You just think, oh, nice, shiny, new 30 grand car or, you know, I really want that $500 dress or, you know, you don't kind of think about the future. But obviously to create wealth, and we'll get back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and Robert Kiyosaki, is one of the keys to creating wealth or financial freedom is to think about the big picture, is mm. to think about a long-term plan. Mm. It's very, very rare that anyone in this world gets rich overnight. Even if they win the lotto or have some sort of windfall, it's very, very I think the stats might be, you know, one in a, a million or something like that, mm. that anyone gets rich just from luck or um, because they created some unicorn business. It just yeah. doesn't happen to many people. I, I, I read a study on that, actually, that uh, the average million, this is years ago, years and years ago, but the average millionaire in the United States is 50 and has worked in the same industry for 20 to 25 years. Uh, they're actually of average or below average intelligence, which really scared me because, you know, I'm pretty bright <laughs> because they're they're afraid because they're so smart. They uh, the, the smarter people tend not to ask for as much help. Mm. So they don't do as well because nobody can know it all nowadays. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but I just wanted to reinforce what you're saying because it's so true. It's not an overnight thing. It's a you said earlier that wealth 
is an accumulation over time. I wrote that down as a Sarah Ryman quote. I've got quotations around it in my notebook. So that's awesome. I'm sorry, continue, please. It's so true, Matt, though, that if you look at a lot of the most successful people in the world, I mean, you talked about Oprah Winfrey before, and a lot of other successful people, they don't have university degrees. They're not the smartest, even someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, I don't think he's got some master's degree. He, he just knows street, he's got business street smarts and he's just learned how to be smart. Uh, and I think that's important too. And so my third point uh, about financial literacy or becoming better at finance is getting professional advice because there's a whole stigma around that, especially in Australia. And I think it is in the US too, around, you know, financial planners or people that sell probably sell products, I I guess, in terms of financial products and whether that is a good road to go down or whether it's not. And I'm not an advocate either way. What I am an advocate for is to educate yourself. And that's the same as any area. I mean, my area of specialty is business and growth and strategy and finance. I'm not going to go and purport to be an expert on sales or marketing because I'm not trained in those areas. I've got a little bit of knowledge in those areas. But I think it's important to be a lifelong learner mm. so that Amen. we can yeah, go and go and educate ourselves and not be ignorant to the way that finances operate. So we, we don't need an MBA, we don't need to be an accountant. I tell all of my business people, you don't need uh, to have an, an accounting degree like I do to just understand the fundamentals of how your business financial finances are going around, you know, how your cash flow is working. So self-education, I'm a real advocate for that because if people get to the point where they go, oh, but I'm not good with money or I'm not a numbers person or I wasn't good at maths at school, I don't buy that because you can learn. Like no one's born a leader. Mm. I wasn't born an accountant, right? I had to learn how to be one Mm. uh, and no one's born a leader. We learn those things. So I think that's really important is people looking for self. So like, me I, I read rich dad poor dad only probably in the last 10 years mm. and for anyone that's read that i just thought to myself heck why did no one tell me this stuff yeah before? i know it's almost like there's this massive conspiracy <laughs> yeah. to keep us clueless yeah. I, I don't think that's the case but it feels like it mm. sometimes yeah so I, I always advocate that and there's plenty of other books you know even getting the australian money magazine there's some great stuff in there and it's not a huge investment of time reading something an hour a week, you could be, you know, pretty clued up in, in a year's time. So it's just that investment of, of time and education. Wow. So many great things there. I was furiously writing down things you said again. Because <laughs> I, I saw the first time you saw me write and you were like, oh, what's he writing? Why yeah. isn't he paying attention? This is all about Sarah's stuff because I'm getting a lot out of it. I'm, I'm sure our audience is as well. But you know, when you talked a little bit about budgeting, you know, people saying it's too restrictive or whatever, I just don't grasp that idea um, why they would say it's too restrictive. It's liberating. I mean, mm-hmm. because, I mean, it gives you organization. And if you're organized, you're not as stressed. If, if you know what's going on, you're not as stressed. You made a point about mm-hmm. that earlier about anxiety is a big problem. And, you know, all the way back even to my athletic career, my, I used to have a coach say a number watched is a number improved. Mm-hmm. And you, there's just no way. I mean, if you're an athlete, 
that you would not know. Well, you you're you've run marathons. You you know your splits. Yep. Okay. You know where you're at at the one mile mark, the five mile mark. Well, yeah, you do kilometers, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you know you know where you're at. You know your splits. You know your best sure. times. You know what pace you have to. Have. And how can you not do that in your finance? I mean, of mm-hmm. course you've got to know where you're at. You've got to know how you're doing. And you've got to know where you want to be. I mean, it's, it's just, and it's motivational to have financial goals. I mean, mm. you can literally track them. I mean, I have this little app on my phone that has my net worth yep. on one of my portf- uh, one of my portfolios, not all of them, but one of them. And I, I love looking at it every two or three weeks going, <laughs> 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 you know, because it's, it's motivational. So anyway, we're going to take a break here and and we'll be back very soon with Sarah Ryman, financial guru and all-around awesome business consultant. Let's hear from our sponsors. Yo, ciao. Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, Unique Stone. Granito, Marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone benchtops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, que stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff, offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business. Drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 828-33-155. That's 828-33-15. Welcome to the family. Hi, I'm Jamie Limura. And I'm Lee Harrison. Join us every second Sunday night from 7pm on Negative Camber, the official motorsport show of Scuderia Ferrari Club Adelaide. Whether it's karting, supercars, MotoGP, Formula One, we talk all the latest news and results in the motorsport world. Negative Camber, every second Sunday from 7pm on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM We're back with Sarah Ryman, qualified accountant, business consultant with 15 years experience in the tax accounting industry and as a business owner since 2006. Sarah helps out businesses figure out where they're at and where they want to go and take charge of their finance. You can learn more about Sarah's services also as a motivational speaker on her website, which is www.sarahryman.com.au Spell your last name for the audience just to make sure they got it. R-E-I 
M-A-N-N. All right. And now, Sarah, we were in the over the break. You were talking a little bit about the fact that and I was floored by the fact that you think that I think you said was it 95 percent of businesses in Australia you think don't have a budget. That's just your that's not a, a statistic that's mm. been proven, but that's your feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a feeling and of, that floored me. Yeah. It's a feeling of other financial experts and accountants that many small. So we're talking about small business and the, what's the definition of small business? Someone that's maybe less than you know, 10 million turnover, uh, don't have a budget or a cash flow, perhaps because they simply don't know how or they don't know what the benefit is huh. and no one's shown them. But I, I, I just can't grasp that, to be honest. Mm. I, I'm sorry, I should have something to say. I'm on the radio, but I, I cannot understand how you, ha- I cannot run, I mean, there's so many moving parts to a business, you have to track them. Mm. I Look, mean, and, and, and you've got to pay your staff, you've got to pay the rent, you've got to pay this. And and the dream is supposed to be there's something left over for you. Mm. So, the, I mean, the, the sort of questions I've had over the years, and I've worked with lots, hundreds of business owners over the years as, as a consultant and in a tax accounting capacity. And the questions I've had over the years are things like, you know, Sarah, I want to buy a new car. Sarah, I want to buy a commercial premises. They're, they're asking advice. Uh, I want to hire a staff member. And my question to that question is to them, okay, can you afford it? And the many, I wouldn't be able to count on 10 hands how many times the answer came back, I don't know. Mm. So the benefit, if we're we're thinking about why would I do a cash flow, why would I do a budget, what's the benefit? The benefit is that you get to see what's going to happen in the future, like based on history, of mm-hmm. course. We don't just guess on budgets. We, we take an, a, an, educated, mm-hmm. a, an educated estimate. But if you want to hire someone, if you get a business, you go, right, okay, I'm getting really busy here. I've got so many clients coming in the door. I've got to hire someone. Okay, how much do you want to pay them? Oh, 50 grand a year. How do you know you can afford that? You can only afford it based on history, what your financial history tells you. But how do you know if you don't plan ahead, if you don't forecast ahead? You don't know. I've seen so many business owners start a business, you know, and within the first couple of years, they've gone out and bought a hundred grand car. Now, look, I'm not here to judge whether people drive around in a 10 grand car or a hundred grand car, but in the first few years of business, the general rule is that you invest back in the business to grow it for the future. And buying a hundred grand car is probably not the best investment, I wouldn't think. I'd say if, if you were talking to Robert Kiyosaki, he would tell you that that's a liability that takes money, not an asset that grows it. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's amazing, Matt, how many business owners don't have a budget and don't I, understand how beneficial they are. I, I, I don't want to go on a tear because the audience wants to hear from you, not me, I, I imagine. But I just, I'm a little bit flabbergasted. First of all, I would never buy a $100,000 car, no matter how rich I am. Because, well, I guess possibly if I was closing in on, you know, $100 million, maybe. Okay. Yep, of course. But 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 they're the worst investment in the in the world because mm-hmm. as soon as you drive them off the lot, they're worth less than you pay for. Mm-hmm. Your money needs to be an employee. Your money needs to make other money. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're going to have to talk about that in another session. But you need to treat your money like it's a worker. It has to go out and it has to create revenue for you. Yes. And and I just I just can't grasp people that do that. I mean, and I read years and years ago a, a study, I think it was in Forbes, and I could be wrong, but it, it might not be Forbes. But I read it years ago, and it talked about the average Lexus, this is even before the GFC, 
The average Lexus owner was one paycheck away from filing for Chapter 11, which in America is bankruptcy. Correct. Which means they're buying these cars to show off and there's nothing behind it or they're just buying it because they're so silly they don't even understand so, their situation. So I'll give you the example of people that I know that have bought maybe a 70, 80, 100 grand car. Now, like you said, Matt, if you're a $100 million business, if you're a $10 million, $20 million, $30 million business and you've got net profits of a million dollars, then I don't begrudge you buying a hundred grand car. Go I still think it. it's a waste of money. Yeah. You, give, okay. you should give it to charity. Sure. It's <laughs> like flying business class. I feel, well, I mean, you, I, I I was a gold frequent flyer with three airlines and I just cannot fly business class because I'm like, if I have money to waste on that, just a little bit bigger seat, I can pay four times the ticket. And then I should be giving it to these starving kids in Africa. I would feel too guilty okay. to sit in there. Beside that. You know? But you can afford it. But the, I'm talking about people that only have a business that might turn over three hundred dollars or $400,000 or $500,000. Their net profits are only about a hundred. Yeah. You know, those are the people that can least afford it generally buy those cars. And it's unfortunate that, that you know, within a few years, they'll probably find that they're in far more financial difficulty than they ever wanted to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the rule of the, the rich dad, poor dad philosophy is uh, that you invest in assets that make money. Cars aren't one of them. Mm. Yeah. Well, the next thing I'd like to talk about here is is budgeting. You know, I want to apologize for my terror before. That's why I had that big <laughs> pause because I was like, I lost it a little bit. But a lot. you're saying that I'm, I'm hoping part of the reason why people don't have a budget is they don't even understand how to do it. So maybe give us a few tips or ways to start a budget. I mean, I, I, yeah, let's okay, start sure. there. It, okay, so I'll talk to the business and the personal side of things. So if you're an individual and you're on a set wage and you work for someone and you go, okay, where do I start even with a household budget? Okay, the first point of call is to actually get real about what's going in and out of your bank account. And a business owner needs to do the same thing because the budget starts there. Now, a business owner can do it a bit easier because they've probably got some sort of cloud accounting software where they can get financial reports out and we can create one from there. If you're an individual person, probably the best point is to start with your bank account. So you've got a set amount of money going in there every week or month and you've got expenses, set expenses. Everyone knows what their water rates and council rates are. Everyone knows what their mortgage or their rent is every month. Those are fairly well fixed fee, fixed expenses. So we start there. We start with actually going through and probably the best place to start would be three months. So let's go back. We're, what are we now? End of September. Let's go back to the 1st of July. Go through our bank statements. Any internet banking will give you access. You can put them all in Excel and actually go through and add up 13 weeks worth of income coming in and 13 weeks worth of expenses going out. And, and you can also do this on a piece of paper if you're yeah. like, oh, I'm not good with computers. Sure. I can't. Don't use that as an objection not to take mm -hmm. control of your finances. Oh, no, I can't do a budget. I can't use Excel. I don't have a computer. <laughs> Get a piece of paper and a pencil if you have to. And or or a tablet and a chisel if it's necessary. <laughs> but get it started. And and even, yeah, and as Matt said, if even if you have to write these things down, don't think of how much time. I reckon it would only take you at a guess about one or two hours to go through 13 weeks where the bank statements to put them into what have you spent, what have you spent it on. So we're talking about categories. We don't just lump them all together. We go, okay, what have I spent on shopping? What have I spent on going out? What have I spent on clothes? What have I spent on house repairs or car repayments or council rates? We put them into categories 
okay? And then we can see exactly what we're spending. And what it does, and I've done this with a few people, is it gives us a bit of a reality check because some of us are going to go, yeah, I only spend, you know, 50 bucks a week on going out. But in reality, they're spending 150 mm. because bank statements clearly don't lie. But human nature sometimes does and, you know. Well, we just don't know. And, and one thing that I always teach people when I'm managing new managers is I always have them carry a little notebook, okay? And every time that, because I worked with people as distributors and independent contractors, I, every time they spend money for a month, they write it in their little notebook. And they're shocked by how much money they spend on things like coffee or cigarettes or whatever. Yep. And and uh, and then they have a better grasp of their situation and they can move forward. And there's so many things I want to talk about and we're running out of time here. I think, Sarah, we're going to have to have you come back because we haven't really dig, dug into a lot. We've only touched the surface. But, now. you know, first step, <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm in the financial position I'm in that I want to just throw out here before our time's up, is live beneath your means, okay? One of the ways I got to the position I'm at is I lived beneath my means for a long time, and I still do, and I use my money as an employee. I use the money that I have to make money, uh, and I invested early and took advantage of the rule of 72, and we're going to talk about that in the next, po in the next uh, show, so... If you want to learn how you can be well off financially and just be a normal Joe, that's how, if you've got the time. Sure. So, but uh, yeah, we, you want to, you want to, and the first step uh, we're going to talk about to financial success is also s establish a cash reserve. That's always mm -hmm. the first step, but we're going to dig into that in the next se next session. So I want to say that we need to have a few words here from our sponsors and we'll be right back with Sarah Ryman. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, proprietary limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Better, better for life. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. 
Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health, home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police checked and proudly South Australian. If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1800 852 772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au. Better, better, better for life. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm for Saturday Sports Scoreboard. If you would like me to host the show live from your sporting event, simply email your request to info at italiauno.com.au. Plus, we'll be announcing a special sporting competition with great prizes to be won. That's Saturday Sports Scoreboard from 2pm every Saturday afternoon on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here with Sarah Ryman, a qualified accountant and business consultant as well as business owner for since 2006. You can hear more about all of the services that Sarah provides on her website, which is www.sarahryman.com.au And if you, again, if you're looking for a lower quality, lower priced consultant, I'm also available. You can reach us through our face page at Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Uh, I specialize in uh, sales, leadership, motivation, as well as uh, public speaking and emceeing. I want to thank Sarah for being here, but before we do that, I want to just take a couple minutes and I'd like you to just give us the most important things that you'd like them to carry away from today's discussion. Yeah, sure. Look, I think uh, with all of these things about money, some people, I understand that not everyone feels like they're good at money or feels like they're good at maths or numbers. Uh, but what we need to do is either get professional advice or get advice from other people that we know are maybe a bit better than we are at money or a bit better than we are at finances and glean from those things. You know, we, we've got access to uh, online courses, books, audible books, podcasts that we're doing now. There's so much accessible information on how to better manage money. And of course, we have to filter out the bad and, and only listen to the good we we don't have an excuse to not be educated so I think it's really important if some of the things I've talked about today seem like they're a bit above your head or you feel like they're you know you just go well how where do I start with that just start with um reading one book go and go and read Rich Dad Poor Dad if you haven't go and pick up a money magazine go go to your accountant or go to a trusted advisor that you've got and just get some information or get get on the path to um, starting 
where you want to, you know, starting your financial freedom journey, I suppose, because, you know, everyone's got a different goal. You might be just starting out in life and your goal might just to be get into a home. Uh, it could be to, to save up for your first little five grand car. Something It could be that simple. Uh, but just start. Start with a plan. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? And start working towards the goal of accumulating wealth over time and ditch the idea of getting rich quickly. Thank you, Sarah. Just in a little bit of time that we have, I just want to make one or two quick points that I just want to hammer home. First thing is... Uh, live beneath your means. You don't need to show off. Live beneath your means, okay? That's one of the ways you get ahead. Not at your means, beneath your means. Next thing I want uh, that I think is very important to carry away with is realize that you can be a financial success. There are many, many people who have done so that aren't exceptional, that aren't above average, that aren't, you know, super duper special. I'm one of them. You can be successful financially if you just follow a few basic principles that we're going to talk about in our next show. And of course, get get uh, professional advice is a is a great thing that Sarah brought up. We're going to talk a little bit about the the law of compound interest, and I'm going to tell you how even if you're just a common laborer. Uh, and you are, say, are disciplined in your 20s, how you can end up as a millionaire by the time you retire. Sarah, you have another quick point you want to make? Yeah, just on the point of living beneath uh, your means, Matt, whilst I do agree with that, I also don't want uh, to, to people to think that they have to go without uh, mm. because people think that about budging, I have to go without. But there's nothing wrong with going on a holiday. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. But we need to have those things, like I said, in the context of do we have a $10 million business or do we have a $100,000 business? And it's horses for courses, you know. It's living comfortably. What does comfort mean to you? So we don't have to go without because living beneath our needs earlier on in life does mean that when we get a little bit older, we can have the money and the financial freedom to buy the nicer house or buy the nicer car and have those things. Okay. Well, again, I want to thank Sarah Ryman for being here today. We're looking forward to having her in next week. I want to thank Ron from Podcast City. And in our next session, we're going to talk, we're going to dig into more of the meat. We're going to talk about how to establish a cash reserve. We're going to talk about how to dig yourselves out of a hole. We're going to talk about how to start to begin to build wealth, even if you can't see it happening for you, for yourself. So please tune in next week at 6 p.m. on Monday for Change the World with Matt McQuinley. And as always, I'll leave you with a quick motivational, inspirational message. The perception is that successful people are born to privilege, especially our political class, when in actuality, 75% of the world's leaders are born to poverty. Let's take this example. He was born the 15th of 17 children. He had only two years of schooling. At age 12, he went to work for his older brother, James, who ran a print shop. James was a hard boss, and he would beat his brother often when he was unhappy. He was unhappy a lot. His brother would not let him publish any of his own writing. So this guy made up a name and submitted his writing to the paper. The readers loved it. 
When his brother found out that he was indeed that writer, he was severely jealous and punished his brother severely. This forced him to run away, which by the way was illegal because he was an indentured servant. He ended up in a city far away with just the clothes on his back. On one of the first days he was there, he went into a bread shop and came out with three loaves of bread and saw a charming, beautiful young woman staring at him, noticing how wet and miserable and ragged he was. At the age of 17, he was able to find work using his skills as a printer's assistant and the many outstanding traits and talents that had enabled him to survive. He borrowed some money and set up his own printing business. Before long, he received a reputation as an honest, hardworking, and conscientious businessman. He landed major jobs and set up a thriving, successful business. By the way, that girl who a few years before had seen him all wet, bedraggled, and down on his luck, married him. He then set up a drugstore. Then he opened a bookstore. At 23, he bought a small newspaper and turned it into the biggest, most successful newspaper in the country. He created the world's first political cartoon. A few other of his accomplishments included, he set up his country's first free library. He set up his home city's first firefighting company, as well as police patrol. He set up the first fire insurance company. He founded the city hospital and the state's university, as well as the state's militia that are all and still in existence today in his home city and state. He was one of the first postmaster generals of the United States. He invented, among other things, a stove and bifocals. His experiments with lightning verified the nature of lightning and led to the invention of the lightning rod. He coined the terms battery, charge, and conductor. He even played three different musical instruments. By the age of 42, Benjamin Franklin was a pretty wealthy man, but he put it all at risk for the next 40 years, helping to lead a revolution and establishing the United States of America. His contributions included helping draft the Declaration of Independence, serving on the Continental Congress, serving as ambassador to France, which was key because he was able to bring France into the war on the American side when he signed the Treaty of Alliance with France. He even negotiated the Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War and made the United States a nation. He was also a delegate to the convention that drafted the Constitution of the United States of America. What do we learn from Ben Franklin? Well, a lot of things, since he's known from his, for his many pithy sayings, things like, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, haste makes waste, no gains without pains, well done is better than well said, and so on. But perhaps the most important things we learn from him are that it doesn't matter where you start out, it's where you end up. And that there are two kinds of people in the world and two kinds of people listening to this broadcast. The first one who says, I'm poor, I can't succeed, my family's mean to me, I can't succeed, I don't have the contacts, I can't succeed, it's all too hard. And the other kind that says, I can succeed, regardless of where I am right now, 
I won't listen to the naysayers. I can have the success I want and possibly even change the world. The question as always is, which one are you?